Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the twelve, Fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the 12th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And today, June 21st, if it did not fall on Sunday, we would be celebrating the feast day of St. Aloysius Gonzaga. Aloysius was born to a noble family in northern Italy in the region of Lombardy in the 16th century. And from the very beginnings of his life, the father of Aloysius wanted him to be a soldier, wanted him to be a, a man of nobility, wanted him to be a statesman, and so forth. But at a very early age, Aloysius had other plans, other desires. And from the age of seven or eight, he, he developed a very devout prayer life. He would eventually enter into the Society of Jesus, otherwise known as the Jesuits. And those who knew him would later write about his life that he practiced an incredible life of virtue. And one of the examples of that is whenever he was in the presence of a woman, he would not even raise his eyes to look at the woman. He would always look down at the floor, at the ground, so as to not jeopardize that virtue of chastity in his heart. So a very holy man, a very devout man. And in his, his early 20s, he was living in Rome and in the year 1591, the plague, an epidemic, was sweeping through Rome. He was aged, uh, he was uh, 23 years old at that time. And he asked his superiors, while many people were, were fleeing Rome to get away from the plague, Aloysius asked his superiors for permission to stay, to minister to the victims of the plague, the victims of the epidemic. And so he stayed working in one of the hospitals there. He eventually contracted the plague and would several weeks later die in 1591. Today he is known as one of the patron saints of youth because he died at an early age. He's also one of the patron saints of those who suffer from epidemics and disease. 
Aloysius exemplified what we hear in the gospel. Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. He's talking about evil. He's talking about the devil. This emphasis on the spiritual life over the physical life. And Aloysius Gonzaga is a great example of somebody who lived up to these words of our Lord. He knew that in staying behind in Rome to ministering to those suffering from the plague, he knew there was a very good possibility that he would die from it. Yet he instead focused on his spiritual well-being, living that devout prayer life and that life of incredible virtue. I think it's providential that we have his feast day today on the 12th Sunday of ordinary time in which we hear this gospel. We only hear this particular gospel passage every three years, once every three years on Sunday. I think it's providential, especially today, during this time of pandemic, that we hear this gospel. And our society today is obsessed with protecting physical health. Even before the coronavirus, incredible emphasis in our nation on health care, security systems, life insurance, police and fire departments to protect us, laws, seatbelts. This is before the virus. And now we look at our society and we see that every aspect has changed. Every aspect in our nation and throughout the world our culture, our society is affected in one way or another. In an effort to protect the physical health of ourselves and other people whom we don't even know. There's a lot of people today placing a lot of emphasis on the one who can kill the body. There's a lot of people today placing a lot of emphasis on a virus that can kill the body. Not so many people placing emphasis on the one who can kill the soul. I was talking with somebody yesterday, preparation for today, Father's Day. We're talking about the importance of a father's role, his spiritual leadership within a family. We're talking about what happens in a family and in a society and in a culture and in a nation and a world. We're talking about what happens when that father's role, that father's responsibility is removed from him and taken up by a government or an institution or another person. And we can see the effects of that, the consequences of that in our own nation very clearly. So often, I meet fathers who go to great lengths to provide for the physical safety of their family. I know fathers who've built elaborate home security systems, home defense systems. They have life insurance policies. 
They buy cars with incredible safety features. And I know many fathers who, after the birth of their first child, they change their lifestyle. They no longer practice a, a hobby or interest which either the father or the, the bride thinks is dangerous. Yet I know very few fathers who protect their family from the one who can kill the soul of the family. I know very few fathers, to be honest. I know very few fathers who exercise their spiritual leadership in, a prayer, in their family life in leading prayer. I know very few fathers who lead their family in daily prayer. And this daily prayer is an important defense in spiritual warfare and in defending the family from the spiritual attacks, the attacks which Jesus warns us of. I know very few fathers who give motivation to their bride, the mother of their children, to receive the sacraments. And fathers, as those spiritual leaders, they should be in some ways the gatekeepers of their home. And just as they're keeping those who want to cause physical harm to their family out of their home, they should be keeping those who want to cause spiritual harm to their family out of their home. But so often, instead of defending their home, I see fathers actually bring into their home various serious spiritual enemies, especially artificial contra contraception and pornography. These things will destroy a family, they'll destroy a marriage faster than anything else. And I know so many men, they just invite these into their home. They should be viewing these things as public enemy number one, keeping them out of the home at all costs. But I also see this in society as well. Generally speaking, there's so many people, they're so concerned about the physical threats instead of the spiritual threats. The last month or two, you may have remembered hearing me lament over at 9 o'clock on weekday mornings, except for Monday, because the commissary is closed on Monday, but you know where I'm going. I look out of our chapel windows, and our chapel is open at 9 to, for people to come in to pray. People don't come in to pray normally, except for daily mass. But the commissary parking lot by 9 o'clock, almost every weekday morning, especially around payday, it's full. We're close to being full. This incredible physical uh, emphasis on, on physical safety. People are paying a lot of attention to the one who can kill the body, but not the soul. One morning in April, I think it was in the week of, uh, right before Holy Week, I woke up, and this was after a couple conversations that I'd had earlier in the week with some friends that I've had for, some I've known for decades. And I realized that they'd lost their minds. They really had. They're being driven and ruled by fear. It was very clear to me, and I was looking around, and that's when I was still kind of paying attention somewhat to the news, which I completely gave up during Holy Week. But I could see not just in my circle of friends or in our community, but in our nation, in our world, so many people 
but allowing their life to be driven, to be ruled by the God of fear. So I made a public statement. I remember saying very clearly that day at the Daily Mass. I've said it many times since then. I refuse to be ruled by fear. I refuse to be ruled by fear. Fear brings overwhelming stress and anxiety to a person's life. But that's not why I refuse to be ruled by fear. Fear actually inhibits a person's ability to use reason and their intellect to guide their life. Instead, they start using emotions and feelings. You can see this happening in our world right now. But that's not why I refuse to be ruled by fear. Fear leads to desolation and a sense of hopelessness and despair. But that's not why I refuse to be ruled by fear. I refuse to be ruled by fear because Jesus Christ, my King, my God, and my Lord, tell me in the gospel to fear no one. He makes it very clear. Do not be afraid of the one who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can kill the body and the soul in Gehenna. We are to fear the devil. We are to fear evil. Not because these are more powerful than Jesus Christ, because they're not. The devil, before he turned away, was a, a created angel. No created object is greater than the creator. So the devil, no evil is greater than God. But God desires that we fear the devil. God desires we fear evil because these lead us away from God. They lead us away from his truth, from his majesty, from his mercy, from his power, from his unconditional love for us. And they lead us to a life of destruction. But other than that, Jesus makes it very clear in the gospel. Opening line in the gospel, fear no one. I think this also applies to things. Fear no thing, even and especially a virus. Jesus tells us, don't even fear death itself. Because as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, what is death? Death is a baptism into eternal life. Whenever I prepare a, a family for the sacrament of holy baptism, usually for their infant, I remind them that they're going to see symbols in the baptism, the white cloth, the crucifix, the holy water, the paschal candle, and a few other symbols which represent and symbolize certain things in that baptism. And I remind the family that at that child's funeral mass, which none of us will be here for, they'll have the same symbols, the paschal candle, the white cloth, the crucifix, the holy water. Because death is a baptism into God's own eternal life. And so if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is more powerful than death, and he is, then we will not even fear death 
itself. And we hear in the gospel, as well as the first and second reading, some very beautiful and intimate love language. Jesus tells his followers 2,000 years ago, and he, he tells us today, even the hairs on your head are counted, so do not be afraid. If we realize that God is all-loving and all-powerful, more powerful than any force in the universe, then we have nothing or no one to fear. Praise be Jesus Christ.